Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. Experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. With us this evening... Oh, wait. I haven't introduced my co-host, Susan Fox. Oh, her. (laughs) His lovely sidekick. Yeah. and Stop kicking me. (laughs) With us today is Harry Crosland, and he is the man behind Pop Culture Uncovered, which is a popular culture podcast at popculture.com. Welcome to the show. Hey, Gene. How are you guys doing today? We're okay. Yeah, I'm finally on a roll. <laughs> yeah, I had to check, you know, my pants to make sure that there was butter on them, you know. <laughs> when when you're on a roll, that's that's kind of what you want. Butter roll. I can't. I can't believe I'm seen in public with this man. <laughs> so, you're here today uh, because of a phenomenon that Susan noticed, which was the hashtag #28 Days of Black Cost. Cosplay. Cosplay or costuming? Cosplay. Cosplay. There's been a science fiction convention cosplay since 1939, we have documented. I'm not sure when black cosplay started, because I haven't gone through the pictures yet, but uh, it was probably shortly thereafter. But it being Black History Month, this is as we tape this, it's February 2015. Um, the hashtag 28 Days of Black Cosplay has taken on a life of its own did you start that hashtag no. actually um it was miss uh, chaka kambabach and um i gotta give her credit where it's all deserved because um she got a bunch of us together and it was just an idea that we all kicked around about you know we we need to do something to show some appreciation to um people of color that cosplay and um we started it up we started a group and we just put out an open invitation to everyone um um there, there wasn't anyone special in particular we were looking at we were just like hey if you're a black person and you're a cosplayer just come on out um we can get people featured but we more want people to just just take the hashtag post your pictures if you got friends and photographers things of that sort post their pictures as well and just just let it grow that's awesome. I mean, I've I've been seeing some of the things that you've been posting, and I've been seeing the pictures of you and your wife, who is an amazing customer. Yes, she help, is. Help, help and um, truth be told, she she does a lot of the costumes that we've done. Um, she's a graphics designer, and just just all around talent. So it's like it's almost like you know whatever ideas I get, I share it 
we hash it out and then we just execute. And what's your wife's name is, I'm sorry, I keep, I've forgotten. Janine. Janine. Yeah. And uh, the stuff that you two do is just jaw-droppingly gorgeous. Thank I mean, you. it's, you take the, uh, I think one of the things that I find so fascinating about the whole idea of uh, black cosplay is that it forces you to rethink the whole idea of what these characters are and uh, what they mean to people. And it's the spirit of the, uh, of the whole thing that comes through. It really forces you to look at the spirit of it. And I think that's so such a valuable thing. I'm sorry, I was about to say, I think it really is because, um, to be honest and very truthful and forthright, when we look at the comics medium especially where it is and where it's been, it's, it's always been mostly about um, non-black characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you go back and look at the very beginnings of, of Superman, Batman, and things of that sort, you'd be hard-pressed to find characters that looks like us. So when a lot of us all of a sudden decided, hey, I want to cosplay too, it was a matter of finding characters that either A, were black, which weren't many, or B, um, I, I'll cosplay this character, but I want to try to do it in such a way where I'm not seen as the black version of this. Mm-hmm. You must and, have um, must have been Happy New Year when uh, 1975 came around and the new X-Men had people of color all over the place. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. you were a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Storm, yay! Who is there for guys to play? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Storm and... and, and um, Black Panther wasn't in that book, but I think he came right. along yeah, yeah. around Black that Plan- time. Black Panther that came along. You had Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. You had all these characters that you know Marvel was coming up with that showed, hey, um, there are other people out there too. And over the years, I mean, and, and, I, and I can uh, just sidetrack a bit. I have a friend of mine now named Ulysses Campbell who does the Fantastic Forum. He's been cosplaying since those days, and um, you know he's, mm-hmm. he's done some Star Trek characters and various other characters. But we can tell you that, you know, when, when, when people nowadays look at characters that they want to cosplay, it's all these, po- you know, uh, positive and popular characters that we want to do. But it's a matter of, do I feel okay with doing this character and going into an environment where somebody will criticize the character because I don't look like the canon character because of my skin color? Well, and then you have m- remarkable creations. I don't know the name of the girl. Uh, you posted a picture of her, and it was her interpretation of Supergirl. And, man, she was just, she she nailed it. It wasn't it was, Gina, it was someone no, else. Okay. No, it wasn't. Right. It was, uh, uh, I don't know who it was, uh, but uh, she nailed the spirit of it. I mean, it's, you look at it and it's, okay, it's a black girl. You know, it's a, 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 a person of color in this suit, and she's designed it herself. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like anything from the comic books. But it's still youth, but it's power, still, and, yeah. and sweetness, <laughs> and everything that and Supergirl is. it's still is. unmistakably, no question about it, Supergirl. She just, she nailed it. And uh, uh, I, was, I was floored when I saw it. And that's, I, I think she embodies... Uh, but she had you know, to be, you know, five times as good as anyone else or else she was. And she still probably got a lot of mean people being mean at conventions to her. Right. I, don't, I, don't I know. hope not. I, I hope I would hope not because she well, she was fantastic. 
Well, that and that's just it. Now, I think for anybody that's cosplaying any character, it's it's always been a thing for me of capturing the essence of that character. You know, it's always been a thing of knowing who the character is. Anybody can put on a costume, but the other essence to me of cosplaying is also knowing who that character is, having an idea of what they're all about. Because, you know, depending on the person, when they take on some of those characters, they're actually taking on some of the characteristics of the character as well. And when you can do that, that sells the character even more to people out there that are fans. So, so, so it's pl- cosplay, play as in in the dramatic sense, port- yes. portray. Yes. How am, I, how am I supposed to comment when you take words out of my mouth? I'm sorry. Ooh, that's that's a bit unsanitary. I apologize. <laughs> Let's see who else. Uh, so so what does Miss Chaka wear? What is? Tell me about her costume. Oh man, Chaka does. So much. Um, matter of fact, I almost have to pull up a page just just to see what she what she does. Cosplay she on the radio. Everybody does it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a picture guide and links in the accompanying uh, article. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm, I'm sure she probably won't mind you guys grabbing some of her pics. But she's done her versions of Captain America. She's done Storm. Um, she's done many anime characters. She, she's just done a lot. And the thing is, um, a lot of what we're doing, like I said, has been born out of a need of, it's not even so much acceptance. We just really want people to try, stop trying to, um, box cosplayers in. Because it's just the idea, hey, everybody out here wants to have fun. But just because our appearance is different doesn't necessarily mean we need to be treated differently just to portray those characters. Because, you know, coming back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, another issue has always been is when you look at the comic book industry, when you look at industries where a lot of these characters are created, there's still a huge dearth of black creators in this industry. And when you have that going on, it's really hard to take a lot of these tried and true characters that have been around for years and try to make it more mainstream. Because looking at what's been going on with Johnny Storm and the casting for the Fantastic Four movie, it's just Albert Dorn Heimdall and so many others. It's it's like you have one side of people that's like it's it's okay, you know, we need something different. Whereas you have other people who's like, well, that's not the character I grew up with. I don't want change. Well, they have to shut up because yeah. those people did. <laughs> Did a fantastic job at it. Well, Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury really raised a lot of eyebrows because he was a, you know, supposed to be a white guy, until, until people saw him and man, that he is the baddest mother in, in, uh, the Marvel universe who has no powers and it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) because he's Samuel by God Jackson. And now, uh, you know, when I think of Nick Fury, I can't think of anybody except Samuel Jackson. Right. I don't remember, the, you know, there was a white guy, you know, with white walls. Yeah, and, matter, matter and, of fact, David Hasselhoff did a version a couple of years back, if I remember correctly. Huh. <laughs> is he? Who remembers that? I well, you, remember he, Harry. Uh, apparently Harry does. <laughs> H.C. That, that's funny. I'm, I'm going to have to go look that up. But, uh, because I can't think of, when I think of... Uh, I can't see him with a cigar, you know. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the eye patch. You know, I mean, the last thing I saw... David Hasselhoff in was the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. You got kids. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. They got people of color and seafood of color in that movie, don't they? Well, yeah, except they're, <laughs> except they're pink, pink and orange, and, orange and, and yellow. And in, and in fantasy characters, uh, you know, the color of the characters is, you know, of course, less important, but, uh, but you know, reconjugating the characters and uh, sort of redefining well, in, in order to make them work for cosplay you, in a in a very large sense, you have to redefine some of what that character is in order for it to work for you. And that was part of the idea when we did uh, Superman and, and Wonder Woman. When we did the armors, mm-hmm. um, we wanted to do something that wasn't your run-of-the-mill. I mean, anybody honestly can go throw on some tights and be those characters. Um, you were like, already like, redefining the, the characters <laughs> through the armor. <laughs> and part of it was um, Gina's idea because I think the biggest issue that we have when we see Wonder Woman cosplayers is too many times you see them and it's all eye candy, it's all TNA, um, boobs hanging out, butt hanging out. And Gina wanted to do something a whole lot more conservative. So we looked around for a while trying to get some ideas together mm-hmm. as to how to, to, to pull it down and not have to do it that way. And we saw a design. We saw a couple of designs, and we actually mishmashed them all together. Where one is something that she would be comfortable in. Uh, two, it, it it would people would pay more attention to the armor than the woman underneath of it. Mm-hmm. And that was the end result of what she got. And when I decided I wanted to do Superman, I said, "Well, you know what? I need something that meshes well. You know, meshes well with what she was doing." And you know, thus that armor came about. And you're a big guy to start with. And yeah. putting, putting and she's armor not petite just, either. You no, know, she is. She is. Uh, she looks every inch the Amazon, really. Yes. And, but together, uh, you were power. Uh, what was the idea uh, behind using the armor as? Contr- I mean, you know, a Kryptonian isn't supposed to need it. Did you have a? Did you have sort of a an alternate universe or a backstory in mind for that when you uh, when you created it or? Part of it was an alternate universe. Actually, believe it or not, when it started off, I actually had thought about doing Aquaman because mm. I saw this really, really cool Aquaman armor that someone had done a while back. But the only thing that just kept nagging in my brain is, you know, unless you are a really true comic buff that knows the story of the relationship between Aquaman and Wonder Woman within the past couple of years, like right before the Flashpoint storyline, mm-hmm. Not too many people would get Aquaman and Wonder Woman being together. Right. But people would get Superman and Wonder Woman being together. Mm-hmm. So it was that idea coupled with uh, the what, what Jor-El wore in Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that was the idea behind it. I was like, okay, this is this is battle armor, and if, if if Superman had to go in and he wanted something to look really imposing, then this armor would be representative of who he is. And that's more or less the idea of where all that came from. It, it, it was it was a fun process because we were trying to figure out, okay, well, well, how are we going to do it? Because um, I even took a look at the the new fifty two so called battle armor, but it, it, it just looked it just looked too plain, it, it, too too many tights, and um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really fond of, of tights all that much. <laughs> but it's, it's just when I looked at what Jorel's armor was, I said, hmm, what would Kal-El's armor looked like. And that's more or less where we based the, the, based the design from when we did it. Yeah, anybody can reproduce what they see. It's it's bringing out of your head what you don't see that matters. Huh? Yeah. 
So what other costumes have you done? I've seen some pictures. There was a red lantern. The nice thing about lanterns is they can look like anybody. Yeah, I did. did. That actually was a mashup of a red lantern Sith that I did a couple years back. Um, I actually did a a Sith as well. Matter of fact, um, a Sith character, which I call Darth Dread, that was my second cosplay. Um, My first cosplay, um, I did a character from The Matrix. I've done Ezio from Assassin's Creed. Um, What else have I done? I've done Jedi. I've done Zombie. Matter of fact, we had a lot of fun with that one because uh, we 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 just took some latex, some liquid latex, as a matter of fact, and some some tissue, and combined it all together, let it dry, so that way it just looked like dead skin, and opened it up, and we just we just went to town with it. And then um, last year, oddly enough, I did Bishop, and believe it or not, I was peer pressured into doing Bishop. <laughs> no, I believe it. You you look like the character to start with. That's you know, why. I mean, that's yes. You look like the character, so it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, it may and, have been a no-brainer like to decide to do it, but there was a lot of work involved. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really pushed. Uh, they, they, you know, all my friends was like, "Harry, you got to do Bishop." I don't want to do Bishop, but you look like Bishop. I don't want to do Bishop, and, and honestly, part of me didn't want to do Bishop because I didn't want to be pigeonholed into that character mm-hmm. because you but, knew you looked so much like him to start with right well, now you've but, done it and now they can shut up and let you live your life and and, yeah. and for the record <laughs> you really looked like bishop i mean it was it was a beautiful build have you heard that uh don Cheadle, according to the uh, rumor mill is being considered uh for the role of uh the next green lantern in the movies i yeah. heard don Cheadle. um he's he's gonna be uh the, uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of the guy that's on John Stewart. Um, John Stewart, yes. Yeah, well, I hear yeah. John Stewart's giving up the Daily Show, so maybe no, not that. John oh, Stewart. oh, not okay. that John Stewart. <laughs> Different John Stewart. The, the guy that plays Diggle, I cannot remember his name, but the gentleman that plays Diggle on Arrow, I also heard he was considered as well. So I, I would really like to see what they could do. I mean, there's so many people out there that are being considered for John Stewart. But um, I, I really would like to see that. Matter of fact, one of my friends, Wendell, he does an excellent uh, Green Lantern. And I think that's the thing, um, you know, again, coming back to the subject of black cosplayers, is that when you do have these characters that are, that are in the comic books that are featured, it gives great impetus not only for us to do them, but even more inspiration when people do these in the movies. Because... You have certain builders out there that, you know, when, when we're seeing these things in the movies, you know, the first thing we're thinking like, wow, I want to be able to do the armor that way. I want to be able to do the costume that way. And when we can see actual actors that are being cast for these roles, that just gives us a bigger push to want to do them. Well, it's, it's a lot harder for you, though. I mean, just in general, uh, to do the cosplay. I mean, it's unfair, but you have a higher bar to reach, you know, a higher a higher standard to meet because you have to do, you have to make up for the fact that it's a reimagined rendition of the character by really projecting yourself into the role. You have to, there's, there's gotta be some acting involved. And, uh, you know, as contrasted to me, I could dress up like any white character and pass myself off without really, you know, just standing around, but you have to work harder for it it's not fair and it's not right uh but that's but what do it, it anyway please yeah. keep but doing that's what it it's anyway. that's what it's taking 
And uh, I think it's bringing out the best in you. In, in and, that, you. and that's exactly what it's doing. And I can say this much, too. The, the biggest and best part about this hashtag has been the fact that it's inspiring people. Good. And, and what, it, what it has done is um, I'm hearing from people who say, well, hey, I've never cosplayed before, but seeing all these photos makes me want to cosplay. Um, I'm hearing from people that, hey, I've cosplayed. I never had a really good venue to show off my work. Now I can show off my work, and I don't feel so ashamed to do so. Because um, we, we've had a lot of detractors out there, but I'm guaranteeing you that most of them have probably never taken a look at the hashtag on Twitter because there's so many pictures out there. There are pictures of people who I've never seen before. There are characters I've never seen before. And, and just the overall spirit of people that are saying, hey, this is what we do, and we do it well just as, just as great as anybody else, and it really makes me feel happy. And the one comment that has really stood out above everyone else, um, I had a friend of mine that posted on my wall that he's really enjoying this hashtag because it's inspired his five-year-old son who loves what he sees, who's happy that he could see people that look like him in costume. Five. As heroes. Yes. Yes. Because, and, and I really have to say this. The, the thing that has bothered me the most about what I'm seeing in, in different types of media, particularly on television, is there are so few positive black characters on television right now, especially when we're talking about just, just network t television, mm -hmm. as opposed to 20 years ago when you had, ironically, The Cosby Show, when you had Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Bernie Mac Show. You had so many different shows. And even as a sidebar, no dramas. But, mm -hmm. you know, we, we look now and all you see are, are, are these reality shows, these, these contest shows, but there are no shows of content right now where a young child who is of any minority can turn on and say, well, hey, there's people on there that looks just like me, unless you're watching Blackish or Fresh Off the Boat or, or maybe just a couple of other handful of comedies that are out there. And, by having this movement, we're able to show people that, you know, there's more than just what we see just on regular television. We don't want to see people being pushed to the Internet and the web and YouTube just to find content when, you know, since we're still using this model of, of, of watching media, you should be able to turn right on and pull up some of those role models that you should be able to see. You think I'll let's talk some more. What about Empire? Is that any good? I saw the first episode and I wasn't happy with what I saw, to be frank. And um, actually, one of the shows that I refer to when I say it's, it's not in, in my point of view, it's not a positive image for us. And I mean, I get the fact that it's a drama. It's a, it's a grown up adult drama. It's, it's what Dynasty and Falcon Crest and all those were back yeah, in the day. Who wants day. to be like them, huh? Right. <laughs> I don't want to be like and, this. And, and truth be told, um, if this show had come out maybe 15, 20 years ago, I might have liked it. But, you know, with it being out now with the state of music, and, and maybe probably more of, of, of me being at the age of where I am now, I'm not as enthralled with it. And that's that's not to say there's nothing to like about it, because I know a lot of people that really enjoy this show, and I'm not going to knock them for that. But I know for me, the biggest problem I'm having is watching a show, one, 
dysfunctional family two a dysfunctional family that's got what they built off of drug money three a family that's got what they have that's dysfunctional off of drug money and killing people <laughs> way to go mm-hmm. fox yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and furthermore the show is opposite blackish which is the only other positive black television you're going to get on a Wednesday night. <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> Thank you, Fox. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Not you, Susan. No, I, I, welcome to my life. Ugh. Fox, no relation. No, really, no relation? I looked it up. Yeah. I had to. Actually, she is related, however, to God. Well... <laughs> This tell, is tell not on topic. Okay. My, my, um, George Burns was a uh, second cousin a couple times removed on my father's side. So, you know, but you see, now God is, is Morgan Freeman. So there we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 it's all relevant because, you know, again, you know, when we look at media out here and the portrayal of different types of cultures in a country where we're supposed to be so culturally diverse, it's a head scratcher when you look at television and you don't see that cultural diversity. It's a head scratcher when you look at comic books and you're just now starting to get some of this cultural diversity. And you're thinking to yourself, comic books have been around for almost a hundred years. Well, more than a hundred years, but you know, when you're talking about capes and, and powers. Mm-hmm. And with all the announcements that DC has dropped and Marvel has dropped, it's like, okay, um, you're either looking at it as the cup is half full or half empty because you're either really trying to progress with some diversity or you all are just feeding us crumbs. Do you think society's moving in the wrong direction right now with respect to uh, social awareness and, and of uh, different nationalities and different ethnicities? I'm not necessarily sure if I could say that we're moving in the wrong direction. You know, because a lot of times I do see that people are being able to come together and talk. But my biggest worry is that there's still too many corners where people can go run off and hide and and say things and do it anonymously and and then never really answer the question. Because I think I think also what I see a lot of is you, you see a lot of people that debate and people don't know how to debate. People don't know how to say some of the things that they want to say without either being ostracized for it or without not liking what other people are saying and then just deciding to be a really big jerk about it. And, um, you know, when you look at the incidents that have gone on over the past couple of months with, you know, what's been going on in Ferguson Mm -hmm. um, and New York and plenty of other places, you know, people are upset and angry with how society treats its citizens and people should be able to have a safe place to talk and discuss things and be able to do so freely without fear of of having others talk down to them but also at the same time we need more educated people to get into these conversations because quite frankly there have been too many times i've talked to people and i'm like you really need to educate yourself on what you're talking about because you sound like a real idiot right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I've seen, I see that a lot. I mean, the social media is unfortunately um, full of people who fall below the uh, the national average. Well, oh, the, yeah. you know, average yeah. means there's as many people above this line as below it, and and the shift key is is not a right; it's a privilege. 
so true. But, so you, true. you know, and, the and, people who yell the loudest are the ones who get heard. And I guess that's true in any venue, but. Right. And that's also been another reason why we've been really pushing this movement. Because, I mean, yeah, you know, the 28 Days of Black Cosplay has had its detractors. But I think the ones that are participating and still participating, you know, through 10 days are the ones that are getting heard ever louder because there are still people out there tweeting and retweeting and re-re-retweeting everything that's gone out there. I and think, I think the hashtag is great because I get to see this whole other oh, yeah. world that I really hadn't thought about, that really hadn't given its fair uh, share of my attention. Oh, yeah. In the, this, there's so much out there. There's so many creative people. Your friend who does Black Manta, I've, I don't know how long he's been doing this, but I have the horrible feeling that they got the idea for making Black Manta black from him. <laughs> well, believe it or not, I know I know both the guy that designed the costume and the guy that's in it. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we saw, uh, I, I remember... Uh, Quentin and I. Quentin is the one that that's in the armor. Right, right. that's a we, fabulous costume. We saw a version a couple of years back. A guy did the Kingdom Come version, and it was awesome. But that thing was huge and and unwieldy. And, and but but Quentin wanted to do it anyway. So I wanted to do it, but I don't want it to be so big. So um, really we pressed our friend um, Brandon. Matter of fact, Brandon's the guy that did the. Um, the Iron Superman, I, I mm-hmm. think it was Steel. Steel. Yeah. He he built that armor. And Brandon got with him, and they, they, they designed his Black Manta because Quentin wanted to also do some awesome armor. Mm-hmm. He went to Brandon. Brandon knocked it out for him, did an excellent job. What's it made of? Um, Believe it or not, most of that's foam. Really? And warbler. Wow. Foam and warbler. (laughs) It constantly amazes me that you can get this stuff. This is EVA foam. This is the same stuff that they use as uh, they put on shop floors. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's exactly what it is. A lot of the armors that you see, that's what it's made out of because it's light, it's pliable. You can do a lot of stuff with it. Parts of parts of my armor is made out of yoga mat and uh, warbler as well. And it's very, very cheap, isn't it? And it's made in colors. Block a square, is it? Well, yoga mats sure is. Well, yoga mat, but EVA yeah, yoga foam. mats are. But I thought um, EVA foam was just came in black, and that was it because it was it's a kind of neoprene. Yeah, and it has to be painted. And the warbler warbler comes like in a in a brownish color, and that gets painted. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is due to the skill of the person that's making the stuff. And that that's the kind of quality that you're going to get out of it. Um, my wife is my wife's armor, the, the the Wonder Woman armor. That was her first attempt at doing. Anything with Warbler. Oh, man, that's her first attempt? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, I am man. so done. I'll never... Uh, okay. Yeah, but but the best part about... I bow before with, mastery. But the, the best part about working with a lot of these materials is the fact that when, when you look at some of the stuff that people want to do, some of us take into consideration the comfort because you're going to be in a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. for a couple of hours. Um, it's hot, take, but you can always put in, you know, like cooling pads and things, you know. Oh, like yeah. Blue yeah. ice. 
Yeah. In a knapsack. Because I've noticed that a lot of my friends that have done stuff the first go around, okay, this is great, but I need to find a way to help me ventilate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I need to find a way to help me cool down. Or if it's in the wintertime, like, like, uh, KatsuCon is coming up this week at, uh, the Gaylord Hotel here in Maryland, and it's gonna be cold. Mm -hmm. Some people are looking at the warbler, hmm, I need to find a way to stay warm. Well, and that makes it that makes it very practical. And, and yeah. you, at that point, you're into bodysuits and things like that to go under it, which you often need anyway, to because you just have to hide the skin where the the plastic doesn't cover. Right. You know. Right. So you get a little bit of a cheat that way. But I, I think the the bigger problem, as Susan said, is the heat dissipation of heat. I was uh, I was thinking about you know maybe doing uh, Ben Grimm at, at one point. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I used to do props and costumes and models and miniatures and makeup effects and that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, one of the things that stopped me is how do I, how do I dump the heat that that costume would generate? And the only thing I can think of is a water cooled inner suit. Mm-hmm. Now, what the fursuit people, some internal fans as well. What yeah. the, some of the fursuit people and mascots do is they've got pouches for like blue ice. That are a little mm-hmm. insulated, so uh-huh. you don't freeze your skin, and you just switch those out. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. I learned that when I was doing Rocket J Squirrel. <laughs> that was hot. <laughs> she made her own costume head to toe, including the the big head, and I mean, she modeled it like. Uh, uh, I used to work for a company in North Hollywood back in the uh, late seventies. Uh, I was working on the. Universal Studios tour. I was making Cylons one summer. Oh, are you serious? Yes, that's yeah. my first. My first job. I was a sculptor, a sculptor and mold maker. Oh. And the shop was the same shop that made giant walk around Jeffrey Giraffe costumes. Oh, so I got to oh, see wow. how these, and they're all made out of this uh, open cell Scotch black Scotch 3M foam. Uh, and it's glued together with that buffalo snot, you know, the contact cement, and then yeah. covered in uh, fur or whatever. Yeah, fur, fur or plush fabric or you know whatever. Those things were hot, and oh, yeah. that, but a lot lighter than you'd expect because they're made primarily out of this this big open cell stiff foam, so they could breathe a little. What I was using was uh, plastic needlepoint canvas. <laughs> Yeah, and it worked out. It worked out uh, about the same. A wire, fr- a wire framework, and then cover that in in foam, which is all glued on, and then sheathed in fabric. Well, you know that's the amazing thing with with costuming and cosplay, and and of course with a lot of the stuff that you have done, is a lot of us find out and figure out what we're doing on trial and error, mm-hmm. because a lot of us get really ambitious about some of the costumes that we want to do, but then we don't think about the other conditions until after we've gotten the costume made, and we're in it like, oh yeah, I think the second go around, I'm going to add this, I'm going to take away that, and I need this to be lighter. And it, it, it's, it's always funny how those things work out. And, of course, you know, one of the best parts about social media is, you know, now that you got so many groups and YouTubes and how-to videos and things of that sort. Um, I even have a group on Facebook called American Cosplayers Unite where we get a lot of people in there and people are asking for tips. Like, I have an idea for a costume, but I need to know what kind of materials to use. And, you know, people freely help each other out because that's what has to be done and that's one of the great parts about 
doing cosplay, I don't care, you know, what race and nationality you are, is there's always somebody out there willing to help a costumer. Mm-hmm. Be- because, you know, like I said, we, we get ambitious, but then once something is, is not working the way we want, it's like, okay, we, we need a fix. And it's really been amazing how the, how the community always comes together and say, well, look, you know, try this idea, try that idea. Um, let me, let me send you to this site. Let me show you this video. It, it's really great. There's a young gentleman in the Philippines right now, and, he, and his, his name is Israel. Okay, I pronounce his last name. But he is really killing it making Iron Man armors in Buzz Lightyear's. And wow. um, his, his stuff is just amazing. And, and I keep saying to myself, I, I wish he would come stateside one day, maybe come to the East Coast and show off some of his works because he's done a lot of commissions. He's thrown up some videos. And it's just excellent work. Someone's got to pay him to come to Dragon Con, huh? Oh, yeah, we're going to have to figure that one out one day. <laughs> a lot of the cosplay, you know, the practice of cosplay, uh, you know, the people who make costumes, let's just call it that, mm-hmm. uh, has been transformed by some of the new technology. And, and EVA foam is one of them. And there are uncounted scores of tutorials on YouTube on how to shape it, how to cut it, how to surface it so that it looks like something other than what it is. And then the other side of it is... uh, And it's black, so it's black cosplay. No, uh, wait. No, no, that doesn't... No, no, no. That's not what I mean. And the other side of it is uh, uh, a piece of software from Japan called Papakura, which was originally designed to allow people to download and print out paper models uh, or or card models so that they could build paper uh, sculptures of their favorite objects. And you can take 3D models... Um, from 3D modeling packages and put it through this thing and it will unfold it and lay it out flat and make patterns for you. And But if you scale it up, you have something the size of a person. Mm. Have you? Yeah. You need, me, you need to send me the link of that, that software. I can send that to my wife and, uh, yeah, that might save her a lot of work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there, there are a lot of... T- uh, it's called Pepicura, P-E-P... A Q, I'm sorry, P E P A K U R A. K-U-R-A. K-U-R-A. Yep. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's shareware, but I think it's like 25 bucks or something. It's very cheap. And, uh, uh, there are dozens and dozens of websites that have card model files that work with it. And, uh, there are a lot of t- tutorials on YouTube that show how to assemble these things and uh and then how to finish them and invariably um we have two there are two schools of thought on it one is you make a very simple paper model so that it's easy to assemble but then you have uh, a lot more finish work ahead of you because you've got to putty that sucker you know if you want a smooth surface you're going to have a lot of faces and having a lot of faces or facets makes it uh, makes it uh, a lot more work to assemble. It can take hours and hours and hours just to, to build. If you want it, maybe it's a look. A, yeah, mm-hmm. but, if you want to look like a paper sculpture. That's a, well, that's yeah, a look. You can, but mostly people are doing things like they're making halo armor, or they're uh, uh, the most of the Iron Man stuff that you see. Yeah, you know, because they can just import or tweak a model of Iron Man and. Uh, uh, and then unfold it, and they've got a pattern, and then they can build these parts with. And that's and how now, a lot of that stuff is done. Yeah, now that I think about it, I think when um, Brandon 
did Quentin's armor, I believe he used something based on that particular software. Now that I'm looking at mm-hmm. the software, because I remember uh, Brandon showed me some of the ideas that he had, and it looks similar to this particular software that you're referring to, because now I'm looking at the um, site. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it's really great stuff. Um, if you don't mind, one other thing I really wanted to get into as well, and I think it's really important for anybody that's getting into cosplay, especially if they're just starting out, is there have been big issues about whether or not people should buy their cosplay, should they make their cosplay, should they get someone to do it from them. And my point of view has always been, to me, it doesn't matter because eventually all of us are going to have to spend some money somewhere. We're going to have to ask somebody to do something. Just enjoy yourself. Just, Thank just you. I, I am absolutely I, on the same page you know, because I don't. I want to make everything. I don't want to just make stuff that will fit me. Right. I want to make stuff that'll fit him. I want to make stuff that'll fit my dog. You know, I don't have to be a dog. (laughs) And there's, uh, we know a, we know a guy who does this for a living. His name is Joseph Karisman and he runs a website called costumecostumecostume.com. Free plug, Joe. And, uh, he's been doing this stuff for literally decades and, uh, he makes probably the finest fan costumes you can get. A lot and, of the insignias and things, if you want to do your own, and you know, an insignia I, that nobody else sells, like oh, I don't know, mirror Star Trek mirror mirror, you know, the, with, the globe with the dagger. Funny. Yeah, he sells details and and uh, costume pieces as well that you can't get anywhere else. A lot of original Galactica. A lot of Star Trek, <laughs> and he Star he has Trek. a deep relationship going back uh, uh, to when Star Trek was in production. He was. Uh, on the sets a lot, and he knew a lot of the people who were working on the show and this kind of thing. But, but he's not building just for much. himself either. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, he's. Yeah. Uh, it, this goes to what you were talking about. He, um, he, and others like him uh, have been making costumes for fans who just, you know, they can't make the stuff, but they have the spirit and they have the they have the soul of the character. Uh, that they want to express at conventions, and they just love it. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with having somebody help you do that, right? At all. And people are making a living doing this, so of you know. Of course, yeah. My, my friend Wendell does the, does these for commissions as well. But I was going to say, your friend might be getting some some business from us sometime soon because we were just looking at this site a couple of weeks ago uh-huh. because we're considering doing a Star Trek cosplay uh-huh. because uh, George Takai is coming to Awesome Con this year. All right. So, you, so you went to you've seen costume 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 dot com already? Yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah, that's Joe Karisman. Yeah. Yeah, we know that's him. him. We know we know the guy. Yeah, this this yeah, it was some really good work on there. The um, the mirror universe stuff, mm-hmm. the the V uniforms and the jumpsuits, really really excellent stuff. Yeah, the Star Trek Enterprise jumpsuits are spot on, and they're made from the original. They're the patterns are made from the original ones from the show. Yeah, so you can't get closer than that. Right, and and also another thing that's important that a lot of people might want to consider as well when they're cosplaying is a lot of us also getting into doing community service as well. Um, Several of my friends, Wendell uh, Smith, Brian Gregory, Patrick Strange, and myself, we started a group called Coslove. And what we've gotten involved in doing is we're using our cosplay to go out to different events, and we're dealing with kids, we're dealing with veterans, Mm -hmm. We did a coat drive um, back in November. We also got involved with Toys for Tots. We did um, something called Operation Homefront, 
which um, mm-hmm. helped a lot of veterans through the holidays because you know how it is when it gets close to Thanksgiving and Christmas, people can't necessarily be with their family. So we just did what we could to fill in the gap. And we just asked all cosplayers, regardless of who they were, to come out and support. And we got a lot of support for that. So it's, it's really an amazing thing because that's a lot of what I've seen, that you're getting kids that – they want their favorite hero to show up. And you always see these nice videos of, of, of Spider-Man showing up at the kid's door. You had the Bat mm-hmm. Kid in San Francisco. You have all these wonderful things that because someone was a fan and wanted to do something special for kids, they used this as a community service because this isn't something that we had when we were kids. Oh, I wish Batman would come to my neighborhood. I <laughs> have fat chance. Now it can happen. Yeah. And it's amazing when it does. Uh, it Star Trek fandom's been into that for a while. What I like is the Klingon uh a, was it? Klingon assault group had a blood war. A blood war. They mm-hmm. they competed for how many people donated blood. In pints of blood, you could you could quantify who won the blood war. Yeah. And they were going down to the Red Cross like in costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and got some have great you, pictures. <laughs> have you guys heard of the uh, the five oh first? Oh, oh yeah, we got yes. friends. From yeah, I got a couple of friends that are involved in that as well. You have you have those guys. I cannot remember. I cannot remember the guys that do the Mandalore armor, but you have like different factions of Star Wars geeks. They also do this as a uh, a community service. Mm-hmm. It's almost any piece of fandom out there because we also even have the uh, East Coast Avengers, which I'm also a part of. You have almost all these different areas of geekdom, and someone thought far enough ahead to say hey let's do this as a community service let's let's do this to give back it doesn't cost you anything you're not coming out of pocket you're, you're just taking a day out and volunteering your services to give something back to community and at the end of the day it makes you feel so good to have done that and it's, it's just a wonderful thing for a lot of us gotta put some sense of wonder into every child's life oh yeah oh, no yeah. matter Kids, what the what- child looks like Right. A lot of these kids need this nowadays because, again, with with things being the way they are and kids are not always able to to get these heroes in person like like they are now. It's good to be able to have that time off to say, hey, look, look at this guy. He looks just like Spider-Man or or, hey, it's it's Superman. And 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 he's got dreads. Yay. (laughs) Right. And and it's and it's even fun for me because, you know, when I see some of the kids look at me and they just light up and they start smiling like, hey, Superman. ah." Like I said, it just does so much for me because it makes me feel like my, my job is done. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, and it's, you're right, Susan, it's that sense of wonder that I think has been missing in so much of modern society. We have lost our sense of wonder uh, almost as a people. Uh, we see all the, the stuff that the, uh, the manufactured media presents as news. And I wish we had uh, unbiased news. We don't anymore. Uh, and we see all the terrible things that people have to say to one another because there's no restriction on the horrible things they can say to each other in public. And, uh, and the kids are exposed to so much of this exactly. and so little of what makes dreams worth dreaming. You know, right. so little of what makes life something to look forward to. I think that, uh, being able to see their favorite characters in their own context is so important to reigniting that passion. Exactly. I mean, kids still need to have time to be kids. That's what's important. 
they they grow up so fast they're exposed to so much and they just don't have the time and then even more so when when they're kids of color when when they're kids of uh, minority groups a, a lot of that is just pushed on them too fast they're, they're exposed to too much of the world too fast and again that's what cosplay has been all about for a lot of us is like hey you know we, we we want you to have that sense of wonder even for us as grown people for us that you know have daily nine to five that we have to um, deal with uh, for families and things of that sort being able to cosplay allows us to have that little bit of time to be able to have some fun be around like-minded friends and, and and just enjoy ourselves and temporarily forget about some of the worries that we have in the world and the, the, you know, again, coming back to this whole thing of doing the 28 days is we want to be able to do that in a safe environment. We want, we want to make it fun for everyone. That's what's been the impetus on a lot of what's going on in cosplay now. There's, there's a lot of underlying movements to try to make spaces safer for women, for, for people of a certain age group, of a certain height, sex. Honestly, a lot of us have been surprised about some of the things that we've seen and heard from cons where, you know, people are discriminated against and people have been pushing to make sure that these things stop because, you know, people need, again, to have a place to enjoy themselves. They shouldn't have to worry about, well, if I go to a particular convention, um, will I have someone harass me based on a costume or how I look or how I act or things of that sort. It's when you go, you should be able to go, have fun, make some new friends, um, and come home and talk about how much you enjoyed it. You shouldn't have to worry about um, having bad experiences. Well, the anti-harassment movement is not just for sex. It's not just to protect the young girls. It's to protect everybody from everybody, people. Everybody, correct. Because I'm, I'm finding myself more and more now as I'm going to cons. You know, the, the weirdest thing is I started off going to cons as an anonymous person, just hanging out, having mm-hmm. fun, meeting artists and creators. Mm-hmm. Where I'm looking now, I got three conventions I'm going to this year where I may be sitting in on a panel talking about some of these very issues. Where people have said, well, hey, Harry, um, do you want to sit on this panel? Hey, Harry, do you want to create a panel for this particular con? And you guys could talk about issues that's, that's plaguing cosplay. And um, Well, you've made yourself... You know, conspicuous with your, your, not just, not just by having a podcast, but doing superior work that people notice. Yeah. And you're, they also have some awareness of what you've probably gone through. Yeah. So, if, and it, if, it's if community people, service. It is community service. So, if people is. want to see you at a convention, which ones are you going to be at? Right now, I'm looking at doing Awesome Con in Washington, D.C., which is the last week of May. I want to say it is May 28th. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but I know it's the last week of May. Actually, before that, uh, Free Comic Book Day, which is the first weekend of May, I'm going to be all over Maryland, um, at least in the vicinity of Baltimore and Northern Virginia, to like maybe three different comic book stores. Um after Awesome Con, I'm looking at possibly doing Philly Comic Con. And then, of course, my personal favorite, which I told you guys about before, will be Baltimore Comic Con in late September. Mm-hmm. Baltimore is just a hotbed of fandom. Yeah, you guys need to come on. I Who told knew? you guys about this before. You you, you, you need to come on. Yes, um, ma'am. Yes, sir. Please. <laughs> I'm begging <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> 
because um, I wanted to go to New York this year, but um, I won't be able to celebrate my anniversary. And we're getting out of the country. Hey, <laughs> awesome! Where are you gonna go? London. Ooh, Ooh. you'll like London. I keep hearing, I keep hearing, I want to go to London while I'm there. I also want to visit Manchester because my, my favorite team, Manchester United, got to go to Old Trafford before, <laughs> okay. before I die. <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, there are so many neat things to, to do and see there. Um, I, the Doctor I, Who tour. Oh, yes. But that's, that's, What's... that's not in Manchester. That's down south. That's all in, yeah. that's all in Cardiff. Who, who knew that Cardiff would be a science fiction destination? <laughs> Anyway, um, Harry Crosland, thank you for joining us on this evening's episode of Krypton Radio's The Event Horizon. 28 days of black cosplay. That is your hashtag. That's your assignment this week, people. Go look it up. And be sure to check out popcultureuncovered.com, Harry Crosland's blog and... H-C-A-I-C-H-C-E-E. And podcast. I'm sorry, I totally blew that. That's okay. Just look up popcultureuncovered.com. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter. Just look up H is Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, we knew that. Always. And actually, uh, definitely. And if you're on Facebook, just look, look up Bishop Cosplay. And just, just, just guys, come look us up. You're and, kind of welded to that for. Bishop thing, aren't you? Now. You're stuck with it for life. <laughs> oh, yeah. That <laughs> Superman and everything else that my wife wants to do. From, from here on in awesome. but most importantly people remember the 28 days of black cosplay it requires nothing from you except a picture and a mention of the hashtag that's it you're not paying for anything you're not getting an invite just see it push it that's it awesome thank you again for joining us thank you for having me you have just heard episode 90 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2015. Our guest this evening has been Harry Crosland, cosplayer extraordinaire, and we have been discussing the 28 days of black cosplay. Search for that hashtag on your social media. Your hosts have been Krypton Radio's station manager, Gene Turnbow, and our executive producer, Susan Fox. If you are an author or other creator and would like to be on the show, contact our production manager, Kat Carter, at catcarter at kryptonradio.com. This episode will air again on February 15th, 2015, 4 p.m. Pacific, and at various additional times throughout the coming week. See the Krypton Radio website at kryptonradio.com for showtimes in your area. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was Mark Schermeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyright 2015 by Krypton Media Group, Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>